there. Got me all frazzled. Uh, let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for your amazing grace, and it's easy to get uh, distracted by um, everything around us, God. And I just pray that you would speak in and through me today, God, and that your Holy Spirit would be present in this place, Lord. And I just thank you for your amazing grace, and I say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, so we've been doing Who's Your One? We're on week three. Uh, oh, before I get started, I got to tell everybody here that's asked, we finally watched Aladdin. <laughs> and I got to say, you guys were right, that guy is very handsome. <laughs> no, not Jafar, Aladdin himself. Uh, <laughs> no, so yes, we finally watched Aladdin. And I, I said, like I said, I agree with you guys, that he is a very handsome young man. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> good morning. Uh, we've been asked, I don't know how many times have you guys watched Aladdin? Uh, <laughs> we get finally watched it. Uh, you guys, most of you know me. I don't, I don't see any unfamiliar faces here. Um, but I'm going to go over our vision statement. Live authentic lives, proclaiming the good news of Jesus and inviting Castle Country to belong to and expand the way we do this through the Great Commission. And we sum it up as no, grow, go. Know Jesus, grow in Jesus, and go share the hope found in Jesus. And... Uh, Paige, thank you for reading. Where did Paige go? She's not even here. <laughs> but thank you, uh, Paige, anyways, for reading, even though you're not here. But today's sermon, um, I'm going to preface it with this. Uh, it might make some of us squirm in here. It might make some of us a little uncomfortable. And, and I want to just tell you that guilt and shame are not of God. And, and I hope that that today you feel some sort of way from today's message. And I hope that it isn't guilt or shame, because like I said, that isn't from God, but maybe you feel some convictions of what I'm going to share with you today. And, and if it makes you feel uncomfortable, makes you feel some sort of way, uh, and you're not sure, or, or makes you unhappy, please come talk to Chris. Please come talk to my Yeah, talk to, come talk to Chris, mostly, because that, no. <laughs> uh, come talk to myself. Come talk to Chris. Tony's not here. Uh, Send, a, send him a nasty email to throw him off. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, uh, you know, talk to one of us if it makes you uncomfortable or, or you know, feeling guilt or shame. Um, but today's focus, as what the whole uh, series has been about, is who's your one? One. We're going to focus on the importance of one. One is the loneliest number. See? Yep, we've got it. We've got one ticket to paradise. Come on, anybody else got that one? Come on, Liz. <laughs> anybody else got any other ones? I like. I'm a I'm a music junkie, as you know, and I like. I started throwing out all these songs with one, but those are the two that stuck out to me. But why are we spending so much time focusing in on and praying for one person? One can seem like a small, insig insignificant number. Yeah, that's right, Sip. Who wants just one cookie? Whoever just wants one cookie? Liar. For in, in our house, it's a Dorito. Who wants just one Dorito? We'll, we'll take one bag of Doritos. But in our house, it's Doritos. In, in the line of work that I do, I work for Book Cliff Sales. I do sales and service, and I go underground often. And... Uh, 
in the coal mine, if you've worked there, maybe, you know, maybe my dad can back me up on this, but you hear, you can't just buy one of something. You've got to buy three. He's shaking his head back there. You've got to buy three. If you need a part, you've got to buy three of those parts. One to use, one to lose, and one to take home. Can't just have one. You know, what can you do with one dollar? You can't even go to the dollar store with one dollar. <laughs> but what does the Bible say about one? So we're going to break it down a little bit. There is one God. James 2.19, you believe that God is one. You do well, even the de- demons believe and shudder. Isaiah 45, 18, for thus says the Lord who created the heavens, he is God who formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it empty. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is no other. 1 Timothy 2, 5, there is one God, there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So why are we focusing on one? What is so important? What is so special about this one person? There was one lost sheep. Jesus finished, when he's there talking about the lost sheep, and he finishes it saying this, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. We have the parable of the one lost coin, the woman who loses her coin, and, and she's sweeping, trying everywhere to find it. We have the story of the one wayward son, the one pearl of great flesh, great price. And when we get married, the Bible says, two shall become one flesh. And as a follower of Jesus, this term as a follower, not a fan, I like how Tony did that uh, last week, not a fan of Jesus, but a follower of Jesus I'm guilty. I'm guilty of overlooking the significance of one person. The value that is found in one. And as I've shared, like I'm this type seven that likes to look at all the the, all the options. I want to see all the people come to Jesus. So focusing on one person is really hard for me. But I want to. I'm I'm embarking on this journey like together with you guys as the church, but I want to to put value on that one. Focus on that one. We have one message of hope for one neighbor, one friend, one coworker, whoever it might be, there's one person. There's one salvation through one man, through one mediator, Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Where's the Awana people at? Liz, Jess, Awanas. If you don't know what Awana is, it's a program that Price Chapel has. Uh, Approved workmen are not ashamed, based off of that verse. So do do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And I, wanna, I really want to put the importance of focusing in on that one. 
And we're going to talk about what it might look like focusing in on praying for your one. Hopefully you've been doing it over the week. Um, you've been following on your bookmark and going along. Or you've downloaded the app and have it on the, on the Bible app and who's your one. But we're going we're gonna to talk about that. And one of the things is we're going to commit to being an intentional witness. And like, what, what do you mean, you know, commit to being an intentional witness? Well, I got a, a story of what it might look like to be a disciple of Jesus, but this has to do with work. So this isn't, this isn't uh, you know, being an intentional witness. This is just, we have a new employee at Bookcliff, and when, uh, in August, the bosses, me, and our main warehouse, like, the, you know, we're a small family-owned company, so like a third of the company was gone all at once. And um, so we had a bunch of vacations going on, and we had a new employee starting out at that time in the warehouse. And our main warehouse guy, his name's JR, he was on vacation. And for the first two weeks of this new employee um, starting out, the owners had to train him. Our regular warehouse guy wasn't there, and the owners had to train him. And I just... I was thinking, like, okay, what does it take to, to train him? You know, if they could just plop him out there and tell him, okay, run the warehouse. There's going to be trucks coming in. You're going to have to run the forklift. We have orders you need to pull. I don't know. You're going to have to figure out how to print tags. But no, they had to walk through. You know, so w- when they come in in the morning, what our warehouse guy does, he goes through, he walks through the door, turns on our scales and all of our, our sealers, our bag sealers. He does that, and he, he walks down the line, hits every single one, and then he goes and hits the computer, then he makes his way around, turns on the lights, go around the back of the warehouse, turn on the other light, and then makes his way around in this big full circle and starts getting everything ready. So they walk him through each step. Hey, JR usually does this, he does this, and, and they're training him. And they just walk him through what it looks like to be in the warehouse at Bookcliff. They showed them how to print tags. They showed them how to receive POs, how to do all these different things when they could have just dropped them in the warehouse and said, good luck. You got this. You'll figure it out. And and this is my, my, you know, an illustration show, like leading year one to relationship with Christ is going to take the same kind of intentionality. Spending time with them loving them, and just being there and showing them what it looks like to follow Christ. When you commit your life to Jesus and say, I am in Christ, you find your identity in Christ and you will embrace that mission statement that Tony talked about last week. To seek and save the lost. To lead and point your one person who you've chosen to Jesus. To show them who Jesus is. It's going to take time and energy and intentionality. And the second point is go and tell, and I put AKA, come and see. So our verse was John 1, 40 through 45. And open up, right before that, we sang the song, Behold the Lamb of God. Well, when you take the context of verses 40 through 45, this happens right after... John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God. I wanted to set up the sermon today, uh, you know, with, with that, you know, some context. It's just John the Baptist 
appoints them and they begin to follow him. And Jesus, as, as John the Baptist's disciples are following, Jesus asks them, what are you seeking? What are you, like, imagine just being Jesus, like he's walking along, and, and somebody's like, behold, the Lamb of God! And these guys are just like, oh, okay. Just kind of go after him. Finally, he turns, he's, what are you seeking? And it's interesting what they asked me. When I, when I really thought of this, they didn't ask like some deep theological question. They didn't want to get into, you know, anything, you know, big. They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? They simply wanted to be with Jesus. And it's just, to me, that was just such a, like a, a foreign question of when I'm seeking Jesus and asking for, you know, him for guidance in something. And they just say, where are you staying? I think I missed the point of just simply wanting to be with Jesus sometimes. And Jesus' answer, he doesn't get into anything big and, and, and proper or, or religious or, or whatever you might, some people might think, but he just says, come and see. Come and see. And one of those men's, men's, one of the men's, <laughs> one of the manses, one of those men was Simon Peter's brother. Chris is going to talk a little bit more about this next week, but he went and he found his brother. After just following him around, and then Jesus says, Come on, come see. He goes and finds his brother, and he says, We have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. And the next day, Jesus goes and he says to Philip, come follow me. In the same city as Andrew and Simon, and Philip goes and finds Nathanael and tells him, come, come and see. And I think, I think, I can't speak for you guys, but I can speak for myself. But I, I think I missed the point there that I want to invite people to come and see Jesus for themselves. Jesus tends to speak for himself. And when we invite somebody into that, you know, it's going to look, um, I think it looks different than we, we want to imagine. It's inviting them to lunch, it's inviting them to dinner, inviting them over for coffee, inviting them even into church. Love them the way Jesus loves them. Speak to them in the way of love. Live in love in such a way they can that they can say, I want what they've got. Invite them in to come and see. Now these, I, I got a, a couple you know, illustrations here of what inviting them in your life looks like. These are very extreme cases. I realize that. But we've got two sets of friends one lives in Salt Lake. One, uh, one goes to church here. Um, the first family, um, they invite couples from their church to come live in their home. They live in Salt Lake, um, and, and they just, they invite them to come live with them. I know that they've had three, on, on, on three separate occasions where they've had uh, families live with, live with them, and they just witness to them, and they bear Christ's image to them, and they show him 
Show them who Jesus is. You know, the last time we saw this family, we were up north. We were uh, up there for Rome's jiu-jitsu tournament, and we stayed the night with them. That's another thing they often do. They have a lot, you know, they're church planners. They're not from here, so when they have friends and family come, they always stay at their house. So we stepped out and stayed at their house, and it was, it was fun. And, and it was, they didn't, they weren't weird. They didn't, you know, it was just a nice, relaxing time. And, and then this young couple comes walking in with a newborn, and it was like, Oh, who are these people? Oh, they live with us. It's like, oh, yeah, we have, we've had them, and then we had another family, and then there was a, this couple that was, you know, about to get divorced, so the husband moved in with us, now they're back together, and it was like, whoa. And, and that's what I, like, this picture that I got to see here, like, inviting people into your lives. There's another family here in church that, as far as I know, they're still, li- they have a friend still living with them. And Jessica was telling me the story about you know, them, him, him living with them. And our friend was, she had something going on she, uh, at work, and she was struggling with a decision. But she's been talking to this young man um, about Jesus and about God and witnessing to, them, to him. And I know the guy, and he's professed, like, I'm atheist, I, you know, for what it's worth. Uh, he, he reached out to my wife one time and said, I don't really believe, but will you pray for safety over this situation? And it was like, okay, that's cool. Uh, and, and he's said that he's atheist. So they live with our friends, and they're, they're witnessing to him and talking to him. And, and, and our friend is having trouble with this decision of what to do. And out of this guy's mouth that's living with him, he says, well, have you prayed about it? I'm like, Jess told me that. And I'm like, holy cow, like, they, they, they've invited him into their life, and now he's, he, like, they're living that, that lifestyle of Jesus. They're inviting him in, and they have him in their home, and they're witnessing Jesus. They're showing him who Jesus is through their words and actions, and now he turns around, and he's like, and I, I don't know where he stands still, but the fact that he just asked her, have you prayed about it? There's something is sink, sinking in. So we have... So far, commit to being an intentional witness. Go and tell or come and see, inviting people in. And then our third point, this is the fun part. This part was really hard. Together as a church, we're going to recognize and repent of some excuses. And I say we because I'm guilty. There's, there's ten things here. I'm not exempt from them. I'm pretty sure Chris isn't. I'm pretty sure Tony isn't. I'm pretty sure Dave isn't. We're not exempt from sin. We're all guilty of some of these excuses. And like I said, I hope you don't feel guilt or shame from these, but that you feel a deep conviction to go and share the hope found in Jesus. So our first one is spiritual lethargy. Struggled with what this word lethargy means so i had to get on the google machine and look up what it meant and means a lack of energy or enthusiasm so my brain immediately like okay lack of energy or enthusiasm i first went to laziness then i looked up the definition of laziness and laziness is an unwillingness i think i've said this I'm on fire. I'm on fire right now. I'm on fire for the Lord. Or you see somebody that's just got a lot of excitement for the Lord. He's on fire. She's on fire. And as time goes on, I've seen it in myself. I eventually lose that 
flame. And I become the center of my life. And the enthusiasm and the energy I had for Christ is now focused on me. And and it can kind of even come in seasons that I have the spiritual lethargy. I'll encourage you now, if you're there right now, it's time to repent. Number two, growing inclusiveness that all religions lead to God. Is that true, Dave Kobe? Well, that's your truth. Have you guys heard that statement? That's your truth. That statement in itself, uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but it, it's not, it's a lie. That's your truth. You can't have your truth. That means there is no absolute truth, but there is. We know what that absolute truth is. And if you're here, it's time to repent. Number three, a disbelief in hell. This is something that I've talked about a few times. Hell is a bad place. It isn't this place where Slayer and Kurt Cobain and all those guys are going to be partying. You're not going to have fun there. Hell is real. Sin sucks. And people we know will go there. We can downplay how bad hell is in our minds. Oh, they're a good person. They do charity work. Oh, they do this. They do that. They're a good person. I don't believe they'll go to hell. It's downplaying hell that it's real. If you're in that place, repent. Number four, busyness. This is one for me. I I can be a very busy person. Is it a priority in your life? Not all the time. We go through seasons of this. Like I said, some of these, we go through, through seasons. Busyness is reaching a lost soul, a priority in your life. If it's not, and you just feel the busyness of the world, and you got all the reasons, I've got this going on, I've got this going on, I've got this going on. If you're there, it's time to repent. Number five, the fear of rejection. I don't know where these, I'm guessing it's a library research, but research shows that only one in four people are resistant to faith discussions. How many of you guys ever heard when you go somewhere, you don't talk politics or religion? But, but research shows that one in four people are open to it. They're open to talking about, I don't want to say religion, but Jesus, faith discussion. And this is one I fight, and I, curr- like, I just went through this the other day. So Friday, if you guys took part in the InterVarsity praying on campus, this for me was one I just fought the other day. Like fear of rejection. What are people going to think of me? And we were walking around on the campus, and we would stop and pray as a family. And there would be students walking by or approaching, or there, was, you know, there were some guys doing some work over there. And even just as I was prepping this sermon, I was like, man, I just went through that. It's, it's, that one, for me personally, that hits home, the fear of rejection. And if you're there with me in this, let's repent. 
A desire to be tolerant. Number six. The world says that the message of Christians is intolerant. We don't want to offend anyone with our beliefs. And this one I'm guilty of as well. That I've sat and I've listened to people talk and uh, had conversations with people and they're telling me what they believe. And, uh, you know, I'm just kind of in that mode like, hmm, 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 mm-hmm, hmm. But inside my head, I'm like, why are you not speaking up? Why are you, like, there's no room for this. Why are you sitting back and just shaking your head, like being eaten alive, and then they walk away, and I'm like, oh, why did I, I should have said this, I could have said that, I should have done this, and go through all the things I could have said. But I have a desire to be tolerant. If you're here, repent. Losing the habit of witnessing, the next one. I think it's a discipline for me that I spend so much time running in the wrong direction. Running backwards, got a blindfold on. You know, trying to figure out what does it mean to make a disciple? Meanwhile, it was like happening right under my nose and I'm trying to still figure out what it means to make disciples. Spend so much time running in the wrong direction and, and getting out of that habit. Now, you know, now I know what it looks like. If you're here, repent. Number eight, a lack of accountability. We are the church. One of the things when we do a baby dedication, and we're going to have one coming up here soon, right, Chris? Next week, I didn't want to say it without <laughs> knowing for sure, but we're going to have a baby dedication. And I remember when we did our, our baby dedication with Ella and with Rome and we did it with Cipriano. Um, part of the reason we do that is because we want to be held accountable for the way we raise our kids. We want to be held accountable by you guys to say, hey, you guys, you're supposed to be you know, raising your children in this way. Sam's rolling her eyes at me because I'm like, come on, Sam. No. <laughs> uh, the same goes for witnessing. We're the church. We're in this fight together. And if you don't like accountability, repent. Number nine, failure to invite. You know, like we talked about earlier, inviting people into your very lives. Invite someone out to lunch. Invite them in for dinner. Invite them into your life. Invite them to church. What are, like, if you are in this place where you failed to just get in that motion of inviting people, repent. This last one really tugs on the heartstrings for me. Church not intent on reaching the lost. If we're a church not intent on reaching the lost, I would argue that that reflects directly on the leadership. That reflects directly on me, on Chris, on Tony, on our wives, the people that all are leaders in this church. 
Because if we don't have a heart for the lost, how are we supposed to lead a church, body, a church body of believers to have a heart for the lost? That's where that, that accountability one comes back in, in check too. And I, refle- I, I, I was reflecting over this, and I feel like, and maybe you guys don't you know, see things the same way I do, but I do feel like at times I've let us, and, and you know, me and, and Tony and, and when Jesse was around, there were times where I feel like we weren't a church on, intent on the, you know, seeking the lost. And it's nice to look back on those times and learn from those times, but when you're in those times, it's hard to see what you're doing wrong. And if, if we become that church, I hope somebody speaks up and we can repent together. So will you be intentional with me? Will you be accountable with me? And will you mature as a disciple of Jesus and make more disciples with me? Now we're going to, in a few moments, start singing our last two songs. We're going to sing the song, Living Hope in Christ is Risen. And I thought, man, after going through this list, and there was at least half that I felt like I needed to repent of. Now, this message we carry, the living hope, Christ is risen, the gospel message, I wanted to sing that out today as a church. Because for me, it was like, I just went through a list of ways I suck. (laughs) And it's easy easy to go through those feelings of guilt and shame, but we have this hope, this living hope, and his name is Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your amazing grace. That living hope that we have, Jesus Christ. That we can draw closer to you, that we can lean into you on how to make mature disciples of Jesus, how to bring people to you, how to focus people um, in on you, God. As we all have embarked on this journey of who's your one, God we would share this message of hope because that's what it's all about. We can go through all these lists of ways we need to repent and all, all those things, but it's all about you. The message we have is of Christ Jesus. I pray today, God, that we would go from this place just sharing in your love and in your life and pointing people to you. And I say these things in your holy and precious name.